Welcome to hour number two. Time to talk some Sun Devil football. This is a team that uh, has certainly dealt with its share of distractions in the offseason, but the Associated Press certainly believes in the talent because they are ranked number 25 in the AP preseason poll. Hode Rubino, Arizona State insider, is kind enough to join us, give us his thoughts. Hode, how are things? Uh, good, good, good guys. Uh, thank, uh, thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, top 25 uh, ranking for the Sun Devils uh, definitely is not commonplace in Tempe. Last time they were ranked in the AP preseason poll was 2015. Last time they actually started and ended the season in the top 25 AP preseason was 2014. So it's uh, definitely a welcome, uh, not-so-common sight here. Does 25 kind of feel about right for you relative to your expectations? I think the Sun Devils might merit uh, a little higher of, uh, of a ranking. Maybe I would say closer to 20, uh, give, give or take one or two spots. Um, I do not think that the team right above them, Utah, if you're just comparing talent to talent uh, in terms of what you have on the roster, is better than ASU. I mean, it is, again, only just one spot above them. So people can say that uh, the difference uh, between uh, both teams is probably uh, nominal at best. But um, I-, I think maybe a tad low. I don't think it's a top um, 15, 15 team necessarily. Maybe just around number 20, in my opinion. Is the is the reason why they're ahead of Utah in your mind strictly because of quarterback, right? Arizona State has that position figured out. And Utah right now is kind of working through, you know, who their who their their guy might be. Yeah, I, I think quarterback. I, I think definitely a, a running back, which really is more of a calling card for Utah than it is for ASU. But you saw last year with a pair of newcomers in Rashad White and and, and Demonte Trainum what the Sun Devils were able to do. And I think uh, this is only a ground attack a year older, year wiser that can be uh, much much more dominating than, than it was in 2020. But, again, I just think if you just uh, compare the talent, just uh, one roster right next to the other, I think Arizona State is a, is a more talented team than Utah. I would even argue that probably more talented uh, than, than Washington is, but was ranked uh, even ahead of both Utah and, and, and Arizona State. But, you know, uh, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, the off-the-field uh, off distractions and maybe that affected the ranking. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there's something. There's something to that. I mean, after all, uh, if you actually count the number of voters that did not uh, rank ASU in the top 25 pieces in poll, though you have 35 voters, which is roughly half of all the voters that uh, do vote in the in the AP top 25 poll. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Everybody everybody has a, has their own opinion, and I know a lot of ASU fans don't like when there's uh, high accolades and high expectations of ASU because they think those are the seasons that they actually uh, don't do as well uh, as the season that maybe uh, sneak up on everybody. So I don't know if being ranked number 25 is a position to really sneak up on anybody or, or really just to uh, try to justify some uh, high, high, high accolades. But, again, I understand the reasonings uh, for and against uh, placing or not placing ASU in the top 25 preseason. So this is a team with some talent, but from a position group standpoint, where is maybe their strongest, and if there's a liability, where is that at? Well, I mean, I would say the strongest might be a tie for me in both uh, the the, uh, the running back group, which I mentioned uh, a second ago, and I would even add a running back that maybe was of a, a, somewhat of a late bloomer uh, last season in, in, in Daniel Ngata. And I think when you talk about the 
you know, so-called free-headed monster uh, at, at, at running back. I think Arizona State is definitely, um, you know, has, has that as a going for them. But you definitely have to uh, tie that in terms of the strongest unit with their, with their starting defensive back, uh, backfield because you literally have 22 years of college football experience uh, between the two starting cornerbacks, Chase Lucas and Jack Jones, and the two starting safeties, Evan Fields and, and, and DeAndre Pierce. In, in, ter- in terms of um, a uh, area of uh, concern, uh, even though the passing game has definitely showed uh, some strides uh, from week one to week two in full camp, I still think that the wide receiver group uh, as a whole uh, still is one unit that, in my opinion, the burden of proof is on them to provide that much-needed uh, bounce, uh, bounce attack for the Sun Devils. Um, I, I mean, sure, you, you can say that Jaden Daniels uh, could probably be better in 21 than he did in 2020, but I think there's, there's such a symbiotic relationship between, uh, between quarterbacks and wide receivers that uh, if one group, you know, um, drags you down, so to speak, it's really hard for the other group uh, to do really, really well. I think the wide receiver group, collectively does have a, a good a good deal of talent, but I will also say most of it is also inexperienced talent. So that is a group that, in my opinion, and I went on record many times saying that, definitely has to uh, show up and show up big compared to how they performed in 2020 uh, for this ASU team to really uh, f- uh, fulfill all the um, lofty aspirations uh, that, that do await them here in Tempe. When, when you dig into the numbers of, of the passing game, and, and mind you, this was Zach Hill's first time as, as Arizona State OC in a shortened year with you know a month of no football, right, in, in the middle of it. But it was a very play-action-heavy uh, team, right? I think 33% of completions for Jane Daniels were, were via play-action. That, that's a lot. And then you know, short, to, short, to inter, short to intermediate passes was a little bit of a, of a struggle. Have you noticed uh, maybe a, um, a defined, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, what's our word? Um, you know, kind of like work, period of work that you seem kind of working on that in, in the offense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, not, not to make excuses, but when you have a uh, first-year offensive coordinator in Zach Hill who introduced a much more complex scheme than the Sun Devils had in, in the year prior, uh, you do have a, a COVID season, which absolutely disrupts all, the, all your preseason uh, preparations, uh, both, both in spring practice, even though ASU was lucky to get uh, seven out of 15 sessions in, but also um, d- disrupt your um, your, your uh, plans uh, later on in the summer. I just think that the teams that get affected uh, more than others is a team like Arizona State, which has to introduce a system that uh, was really foreign to both uh, the quarterback and the wide receivers, which the vast majority of players in both of those positions were, were under, underclassmen to begin with. So there really wasn't a lot of the been there, done that uh, factor that was uh, in, in favor of, of the Sun Devils and, and, and their passing game. So I think uh, when you talk about a large percentage of uh, passes uh, being play action, well, first of all, that goes back, and not to belabor the point, to an absolutely dominating ground. Why wouldn't you use that play action um, early and often in games? But uh, it also manifests in, in the other a- uh, aspect that you mentioned, intermediate and long routes, where, where ASU really had to um, have the rubber meet the road in terms of implementing and executing a, a, a complex system. And that's where I think Arizona State uh, did, uh, did falter. So, uh, yes, in full camp, uh, from what we were able to see the first week and a half or so, uh, I think that there is um, a better execution of, of those, of those routes. In, in, in a complex scheme, and, and again, it's no 
no doubt in my mind that uh, a uh, complex and effective uh, passing game, which, like you said, has to rely on much more than play action, uh, is really going to be the make or break um, X factor, if you will, for this Arizona State offense uh, to be as dominant and explosive as it can be and really just, just really carry the entire team uh, to be a legitimate contender to the Pac-12 South and not beyond. Hold Rubino is our guest talking Arizona State football here on Pac-12 today. I Usually we don't get to any special teams intricacies in preseason <laughs> discussions for a ranked team, but – uh, you lost one of the better punters in the country, certainly better punters in the Pac-12, to the transfer portal, that, and, and it appeared that that was, you know, somewhat related to, um, you know, COVID protocols and things like that. It, how has that yeah. been handled by the team? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, you, you, are, you are right about the reason why, why, why Michael Turk uh, did enter himself, enter himself the transfer portal, and now he's in Oklahoma, and. I really don't know if their um, COVID vaccination protocols are much more different uh, than, 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 than Arizona State, but I guess, you know, in Michael Turk's mind, uh, he did uh, find a team that uh, would accommodate his uh, COVID vaccination views. But uh, in, in terms of Arizona State, uh, I know that uh, just in terms of having a, one of the better special teams uh, coaches, not only in the Pac-12, but I think in the entire country, and in, in Sean Slocum, uh, somebody who, who produced uh, Lou Groza Award winners, like, uh, like, like kicker Zane Gonzalez, uh, produced uh, some uh, very good uh, punters uh, in the NFL right now, like, like Matt Hawk. Uh, he's uh, somebody that, that definitely has an eye for talent and seems like always has that backup plan, whether it's a kicker or a punter, uh, to, uh, to fill a void if needed. So uh, there is a, there's a freshman right now by the name of Eddie Stopiski, who uh, came in uh, as far as the 2021 class as one of the better punters uh, in the country for what we've seen in fall camp. I don't think the drop-off is as drastic as you would think uh, from, from Michael Turk, and the officer right. Uh, Michael Turk uh, is by far one, one of the best punters uh, in the country, and I have no doubt that he will do well in Oklahoma. But I think Arizona State, as much as they can feel comfortable in trying to fulfill really big shoes, uh, they are uh, feeling uh, good about uh, what, uh, what, the, what the freshman is, is bringing to the table right now. And, um, you know, that's uh, something that, um, you know, is, it's going to be judged, uh, you know, throughout the season. And they'll be curious to see if uh, Arizona State does take more chances on fourth down because that would de- definitely be uh, a uh, very telling sign uh, how much confidence they, they, they do have in their punting. And uh, maybe it's an offense that thinks that they can be explosive as, as there is, that their uh, punter might be the most uh, bored person on the field on, on, on any given Saturday. But, again, uh, the vibe that I'm getting and from what I'm observing in practice, I think Arizona State is feeling pretty comfortable uh, with, with, uh, with, the, with the punter situation uh, that they have right now. But uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's a huge, huge shoes to, to fill when you have somebody of the caliber of Michael Turk uh, leave the team, especially uh, just a couple of days into full camp. So – the one thing that's holding me back with giving Arizona State as much love as a lot of people are is the philosophy of the way kind of Hermits coached this team during games, right? It's a very pro style where, you know, you kind of keep the game close, you grind it down, and then you try to win at the very end. It's kind of, you know, it's a very, I think that's moving out of the pro game a little bit, but that's kind of the pro style, right? A lot of pro games come down to the last drive. It's just the way it is because the way teams rush the football and play defense and special teams and all that. And, and to me, to win in college football, you have to score, 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 and score, right? You can never have enough points. I know Hermes said 
that they're working on on that becoming what they are. But we've seen a lot of years that that Herm has kind of been the same sort of coach. Do you believe they can be that explosive team that really look? They're not going to win the South without doing that. So I mean, in the end, they have to do that to win the South. Do you think they can be that team? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do, and I think uh, it is an interesting dynamic that you talk about Herm Edwards and and the style of play. Because sure, I mean, he does bring a lot of pro game elements uh, in, in, into the program. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I know that Herm Edwards said uh, when he when he first got here prior to the 2018 season that uh, he really knew that he had uh, back then what, what, what was a very young defense. And that defense really in 2019 that wasn't you know that much more mature. So in terms of an offense uh, being, I guess, uh, you know, more, more conservative and really uh, maybe leaning more, on, on their running game, um, obviously, uh, you know, Benjamin uh, in, in, in 2018 uh, did, you know, did, did break uh, the, uh, the, the, school, the school record for, uh, for a single season um, um, all-time all high in, in rushing yards. Uh, I just think that the, amount, the level of talent, or the, I would say maybe the caliber of talent, really lended itself to uh, not having a high-risk um, offensive game uh, because really, you really want to protect the defense. And also, uh, you, you did have a very good uh, running game in those, in, in those first couple of years. But I also feel that uh, this year, uh, Herm Edwards knows that things have to be opened up that much more um, with, with the offense and with, with the passing game. And, and maybe in 2020, it was unrealistic uh, to ask uh, the passing game to perform at, at a high level. Uh, again, when you talk about a COVID year, you're trying to implement a, a first-year system, and you just have one hurdle after another that's really preventing you from implementing that scheme in an effective way. I just think uh, 2021, in many years, is a year just of uh, no, 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 no more excuses uh, for this team to be a legitimate contender for the Pac-12, uh, not only the Pac-12 South, and really for this uh, passing game uh, to be to be on full display and really uh, materialize the vision that that, that offensive creator Zach Hill uh, does, does have for them. So I don't think it's lip service when Herm Edwards knows that this team has to average uh, scoring of 30-plus 30, 30 points. Uh, he, he definitely believes, believes that in, in his heart of hearts. Uh, he, knows, he knows he has a great running game. He knows he has a great defense. So you don't need really to, to, to lean on them, but, you, but rather have the passing game be a true uh, – complement um, facet of, of this team to, just to have um, all, all, all three aspects really really clicking on all cylinders. So uh, I, I definitely think that ASU is, is going to strive to have a, a, more, a more explosive offensive game. And maybe there's some element of easier said than done, but uh, if this passing game uh, can, really get, can really get on track, if it is young wide receivers uh, can show uh, – the, uh, the the physical and the mental maturity uh, for, from last year, then uh, then I think this can be a, a very very special uh, team in Tempe and a team that uh, some voters uh, you know ranked them even higher than than 25, but let alone uh, you know collectively had a good number of voters uh, thinking that they are one of one of the top 25 teams in the nation. And I think that if Arizona State does have uh, that, that passing game again? Not not to sound like a broken record, but if that passing game can really perform at a high level, then I then I think this is definitely going to be one of the better teams in the Pac-12. Before we let you go, uh, the Arizona State schedule really seems to lend itself to success this year. I mean, you got a tough road game in Salt Lake City against Utah. Uh, yeah. Got to go to Seattle. You miss Oregon in the regular season. 
this this feels like a schedule that with a talented team, I mean, I'm looking at it and thinking they're going to be at least 4-0 and before they start uh, really getting into the meat of it with a, an interesting matchup against UCLA. How do you how do you think the schedule is going to play to their favor or their disadvantage, depending on your opinion? Well, I mean, I, I do agree that, uh, that September uh, might be in sharp contrast to uh, November because September, when you look at uh, the, the, the two non-conference games at home against Southern Utah and, and UNLV, then playing at BYU, which is a team that lost a lot of talent uh, from, from pretty special 2020 season, so I see that as a very winnable game. And then having the Pac-12 opener at home against Colorado, again, a, a, a very winnable contest. So, yes, I mean, starting 4-0, for the for this ASU team is definitely is definitely not out of the question, and then then you have those two um, early uh, early and mid October games on the road uh, against two Pac-12 South foes uh, UCLA and Utah, and I uh, you know I did a roundtable discussion with my staff as far as what are the two perhaps make or break games of the year. I did pick uh, those two road games at, at at UCLA and at Utah because if ASU can win actually both both contests. I do see them at the driver's seat uh, for, for the Pac-12 South Championship because they do host uh, USC the, the first weekend uh, in in November. Obviously not an easy game, but you do have it in Sun Devil Stadium. So I think you, you have to like Ace's chances. But the, but the rest of November can be uh, really, uh, really tricky because you're playing on the road in back-to-back uh, weekends at Washington and at Oregon State. When you talk about November weather and those – in Seattle and Corvallis, uh, now, now you're talking about some elements that can that, that can really, really really affect the game, and elements that are much more foreign to the Sun Devils than, than it is to, it is to the host team. So November can be uh, re- really maybe the maybe more of a stumbling block, I think, in some ways than than those road games at, at UCLA and, and at Utah. So uh, if, if you're Arizona State, uh, you want to make sure that uh, you're, you're coming into that USC game undefeated. You're able to beat uh, USC because I think, you know, again, the, those two road games in the Northwest, you know, back-to-back weeks can be, you know, can, can be concerning. So it's really, it's really a matter of Arizona State, uh, like I said, uh, just those two road games in, in October, UCLA and Utah, if they can uh, somehow win those two games and really be undefeated, then I think that ASU is well, well on, on the track, uh, like I said, not only to win the Pac-12 South, but be a legitimate uh, contender to win uh, to win the Pac-12. So, it's definitely a season that ends on a much uh, harder note uh, than than it starts. But again, I think the belly of that schedule, those two road games, and against uh, two Pac-12 South foes, are really going to be uh, the uh, the telling sign of uh, where this ASU team is headed in 2021. 